Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for waking us up this morning and watching over us during the night. We want to thank you for leading, guiding, directing our steps today. This is the day that you have made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. We have destroyed all our scorecards and records, for love does not keep score or records. We walk in love, so our faith always works, and we are blessed and highly favored regardless of the circumstances. Holy Spirit, I ask that you see through my eyes, you touch through my heart, you speak through my mouth, and you speak in my ear the words and the lesson that you want to talk today. But not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, the lesson is going to be on something that I love to teach on, and that's God's love. Growing up, I really thought I knew what love was. You do something nice for me, I do something nice for you. If you mess up, I forgive you. If I mess up, hopefully you forgive me. And then I got into God's Word and I found out that I was really, really wrong. I came to find out that there's two kinds of love in the world. There's God's love and there's mankind's love. Mankind's love usually stops at a point, usually has a condition, such as, I love you if. You bring that money home. I love you if you stop drinking. I love you if you stop smoking. I love you if you stop doing this, you stop doing this, you stop hanging out with this person or hanging out with that person. And I found out that that really wasn't love. Matter of fact, let's go to 1 John 14. This is God's definition of love. 1 John 14? 14. 14. 14. 14. 4, 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. <laughs> oh. We did this last night. I'm all over the place. Hard for me to find it, so you can go on and do your thing. Okay, then. Verse 10, 1 John 1, verse 14, it says, And this is love. Not that we love God. God has given us his definition of love, and the first thing he says, us loving God is not love. Why? Because the same reason for us loving people. You know, it's usually a condition, and you know, I love you because today is Saturday, I love you because I have some money, I don't love you because you didn't give me any money, I don't love you because of this or that. It's usually a condition. God says here in this love, not that we love God, but that He loves us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, God loves us based on who He is and not based on what we do. I grew up in a society where they love you based on what you did, so I was not getting a lot of love because I was not doing a lot of lovable things. And my text scripture is John 3.16, a very familiar scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoso believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love that scripture so much because it doesn't say God so loved those that teach about the study. Doesn't say God so loved those that go to church. Doesn't say God so loved those that pay their tithes and offerings or help little old ladies or little old men across the street. It says God so loved the world. In other words, people who don't want anything to do with God, He loves them, and He loves them based on who He is and not what He does or what we do. Another example of God's love is um, the prodigal son. Everybody heard about this story, but I'd like to update it to 2018. There was this king, and he had two sons. 
And his youngest son went to him and said, Dad, break mine off. And in most cultures to receive an inheritance, someone has to die. But this king loved his son so much, he broke him off. So this kid got all this money, and he went to Las Vegas. He got his biggest suite on the strip. He got the best alcohol, the best drugs, the best women, the best everything. And he partied, and he partied, and he partied, and he partied. Now, I don't know about you, but I found out the hard way. It doesn't make a difference how much money you got. If more money is going out and coming in, you're going to eventually run out of cash. That's right. And that's what happened to this kid. He went from the biggest suite in Las Vegas to downtown L.A. Skid Row, humming and bumming. It says when he came to himself. In other words, when all those drugs and alcohol got out of his system, he was able to think more clearly. And he said it would be better for me to be a slave in my dad's house than to be out here on L.A. Skid Row humming and bumming. So he decided to go back to his dad's house. But of course he had a line already set up for him. You know, Dad, you gave me all this money and these three women kidnapped me and they made me spend your money and do this and do that or whatever. It says that while he was afar off, his dad saw him. You know why his dad saw him? Because every day he was out there looking for him. Think about it. If his dad had his back to him, there's no way he could have saw him. So while he was afar off, instead of waiting for the son to run to his dad, his dad ran to the son. He kissed him on his neck. He put a ring on his finger. He put a robe on him. He put a crown on his head. He put shoes on his feet. And he rejoiced because his son had returned. That king is God. That son is you and I. See, no matter what you have done, God is always going to love you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has his arms wide open just like this, waiting for his children to return. And the enemy will have you say, you know what? You could do that tomorrow. You could do that next week. You could do that next month. Well, show me the Bible where it's written that we got tomorrow, next week, or next month. Mm -hmm. The word said, what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? See, the enemy is after your soul to take away your tomorrow. God is after your soul to give you a tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And it says that his older brother, he heard all the commotion was going on. And he was upset. And he went to the father. He said, Dad, you know I've been with you all this time. I've never done anything that was wrong. And you've never even given me a little calf to have, have, have a party with my, with my, my friend. And the dad <coughs> said, you know what? All while you was with me, everything you have that I have belongs to you. And everything God has belongs to us. Why? Because everything was created by Jesus. And God loved Jesus so much. And Jesus loved the Father so much. See, God had a choice. He had two sons. He had his son, Jesus, the righteous one, the good one, the one who did everything God told him to do, the one who went everywhere God told him to go, and the one who said everything God told him to say. And then he had me, the opposite one, the selfish one, the one who didn't care about anyone except his friends, his family and the few friends he had, the one who was out to try to get you before you got him, and God had a choice which one he's going to sacrifice. See, the world would have sacrificed me. It would have been deservedly so because I deserved to be sacrificed. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When Jesus was on, his, on the cross and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If you ever want to know why God forsook Jesus, all you got to do is look in the mirror. 
See, God turned his back on Jesus for a couple of reasons. First of all, God could not look on sin. And since Jesus became sin for everyone, God had to turn his back on. But while God turned his back on Jesus, guess what? He was looking at us. And he loved us that much. See, Jesus was hung up for my hang-ups. Jesus didn't come down to bring us into heaven. Jesus came down to bring heaven into us. He was stretched wide and he was hung high for our sins. That's how much he loved us. See, God looked down. He looked on the earth and he said, you know what? This individual, I love that person. I love that person. I love that person. And Jesus said, well, look what that person is doing in the past. Look what he's doing now. Look what he's going to do in the future. God says, but I love him. Jesus said, Father, if you love him that much, I'll go down and die for him. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. This is called the love chapter. And I will be reading from the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. And it says, If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us am only a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possesses all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. Even if I do out all that I have to the poor of food, and if I surrender my body to be burned, or in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I have nothing. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious or boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Verse 5. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own right or its own way. For it is not self-seeking, it is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Verse 6. It does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoice when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes and faithless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. Verse 8. Love never fails. Anyone knows why love never fails? In 1 John 4, 8, it says, if you, well, I don't want to paraphrase it. I'll just read it. It says, he who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not, never did know God, for God is love. Love never fails because God never fails. You can't have love without God, and you can't have God without love. Amen? Amen. Verse 9. 
For our knowledge is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect, and our prophecy, our teaching, is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. But when the complete and perfect total comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away, become acquainted, void, and supersede. Verse 11. When I was a child, I talked as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Now that I have become a man, I am done with childish ways and have put them aside. For now we are looking in the mirror that gives only a dim, blurred reflection of reality as in a riddle or ignoma. But when that perfect when that perfection comes, we shall see it in reality and face to face. Now I know in part imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. And so faith, hope, love abide. Faith, conviction, and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things, hope. Joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, true affection of God and man, growing out of God's love for us and in us. These three abide, but the greatest of these is love. And you may say, well, you know what? I can't do that. Well, you know what? This is not how we this is not how we love. This is how God loves us. If you want to know if you're loving someone, all you have to do is read this chapter. This is God's way of loving us. Think about it. Everything, well, let me keep it on me. Everything I have done, He loves me. Everything I'm doing now, He loves me. Everything I will do, talking about the negative stuff, He loves me. And He loves me based on who He is and not based on what we do. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. God just loves you. And he shows that love through his son. When Jesus was uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, it says that the pressure and stress was on him. It was so hard that he started sweating blood. But he wasn't sweating blood because he knew he was going to the cross. He was sweating blood because for the first time in all eternity, he was going to be separated from the Father. And the reason he was going to be separated from the Father is because of you. You know it was love that kept Jesus on that cross. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay down my life. And the reason Jesus had to do that is because who could kill God? Jesus had to voluntarily give up his life for you. See, I may want my, all my family to love me. I may want some of my co-workers to love me. <laughs> I may want my church family to love me, or my friends, but it really doesn't matter. It's only God's love. See, it's not very important that I know God. It's more important that God loves me. And He loves me because He is love. And love never fails. So if you ever want to do something, if you've ever done anything and it didn't work out, try love. Whatever the situation is, whatever the circumstances is, if you do it in love, it'll work out. It may not work out right, you know, the first time. It may not work out right the following week or whatever. But if you continually do it in love, it will always work out. And um, the scripture says, do all things unto the Lord. What does that mean? That means whatever you do, you do it unto the Lord. A lot of times we do things for our, fans, for our friends and family, and we get upset if they don't say thank you. 
And, you know, it depends on what you do. You can expect a thank you, you know, especially if you're loaning some money or you're going out of your way to do something. But if you do it to the Lord, unto the Lord, you don't have to get a thank you. Because all you're doing is thanking the Father for what He's already done for you. See, once I understood God's love, it was very easy to get out of myself. Before that, I was a pretty selfish person. If I didn't see how it was benefiting me, I didn't want to do it. Or I would do it half-heartedly, or I would always do the shortcut. But when I found out about how much God loves me, I wanted to change. See, God is never going to force you to do anything. God is not going to force you to be in heaven if you didn't want to be in heaven. Think about it. What kind of God would force you to be in heaven if you didn't want to be in heaven? That would be heaven for you. That would be hell. And God loves you so much, He gives you a choice. He gives you a choice to do whatever you want to do. A lot of people think that when you come to the Lord, you have to give up something. You don't have to give up anything if you don't want to. But the more you find out how much God loves you, you're going to want to give it up. I mean, whatever you're doing before you got saved, you should be doing less of it to the point that you're not doing any of it. And the reason we have Bible studies is so you can get that energy through the week. See, if you only come into church on Sundays, that's not a lot of power. It's like being married and you're speaking to your spouse every Sunday. I love you, honey. You don't say anything else the rest of the week. Next Sunday, I love you, honey. You don't do anything or say anything the rest of the week. That's not a good relationship. And the Father wants you to get to know him. Psalms 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed is the man that trusts in him. See, I can sit up here all day and tell you how good God has been to me. But that's not helping you one bit. You want to find out how good God is to you. I can tell you how good that chocolate cake is, but that's not going to help you. You want to taste and see how good it is yourself. Amen? Amen. Another example of God's love is uh, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, and they didn't need anything. No one needed a doctor. No one needed a dentist. No one had back problems or leg problems or high blood pressure or diabetes or any kind of disease whatsoever. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, and God took care of every need, every want and desire. They were in the wilderness for 40 years and had the wealth of Egypt on their backs and no place to spend because they didn't realize that God was taking care of everything. And again, you know, they got kind of boastful and arrogant and said, well, can God cause water to come out of the desert? Yes, He can. He caused water to come out of the rock. Can He prepare a a meal table in the middle of the desert? Yes. He called quails to fall down in the middle of the wilderness. And he told them, just eat what you need for that day. And those that were greedy, who wanted more than they needed, after they gathered it up, the next day it all spoiled. Because they tried to take more than they needed. See, God is what you need. And God is not a God of yesterday. God is not a God of tomorrow. God is a God of today. When Moses went to God before he went to Pharaoh, to tell him to let the people go. Moses said, well, who should I say send them? He said, tell them I am. I am what? I am what you need me to be, when you need me to be. I am is a present tense, and God is a present God. If you're looking for God to do anything for you in the future, you miss the God today. God is not going to bless you. Somebody should say, hey, whoa, you had us to that one right there. He's not going to heal you. He's not going to love you. He's not going to do anything for you in the future. Because he's already done everything for you today. See, the enemy will have you think that, you know, God has not done anything for you. And wants you to look to the future. Because if you look into the future, you're not paying attention to the God of today. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first 
the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. See, the world is out there seeking the things and trying to find out why it's so difficult. It's so difficult because they have it backwards. They're seeking the things saying, okay, once I get the things, then I'll turn to God. God said, no, come to me first. I'll give you the thing. And God wants you to know how much he loves you by spending time with you. See, you're not going to trust anybody you don't know. If someone just walked in and said, Jeff, give me your keys, I need to drive somewhere, and I don't know them, 100%, they're not going to get those keys. And God wants you to know him. And the best way you can get to know God is spend some time with him. But when I say spend some time, spend some time in his word. You know, this is the age of microwave. Everyone wants everything right away. You know, no one wants to take time for anything. I mean, I remember a time when there was no microwave. You had to actually cook your food in the oven and on the stove and stuff. Now, you know, you go through a drive-thru and they go in three minutes, you know, you all up in arms because you're so used to everything coming right away. Some things take time, especially the good things take time. And God wants you to spend some time with them. And, you know, we're going through a lot of stuff with the world and stressing over this and over that. God has the answers for everything. But you're never going to know it if you don't spend some time with him. And God wants you to spend time with him so you can see for yourself how much he loves you. And I just want to share some scriptures with you about how God is not a respectful person. And uh, you can just write these scriptures down instead of having to turn them. Deuteronomy 10.17, it says, For the Lord your God is God of God, and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regarded not persons, nor taketh reward. Deuteronomy 16.19, Thou shalt not rest judgment, thou shalt not respect person, neither take a gift, for gift doeth blind the eyes of the wise, and pervert the words of the righteous. Second Corinthians, excuse me. Second Chronicles nineteen seven. Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Matthew twenty-two sixteen, And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not person of man. Ephesians 6, 9. And ye masters do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, Neither is there respect of persons with them. And that's just to let you know, whatever God has done for anyone in the Bible, guess what? He'll do it for you too. If he didn't do it, that means he's a respect of person. If God is not a respect of person. Anything you see that God has done in the Bible that you want for yourself, just remind him. Father, I see that you blessed Abraham to be a blessing. I declare and decree that I want that same blessing on me. Another example of God's love is in um, Genesis one twenty six. Let's start there. And in Genesis one twenty six it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea 
and over the birds of heaven, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. And God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of heaven, and over everything that moved upon the earth. Now let's go over to Genesis 2 7, the next book over. And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. If no one can catch that, in Genesis 1 28, God blessed them. But he didn't even create man to Genesis 2 7. God blessed you before he even created you. Shows you how much he loves you. He did that so, but well, let me keep it on me. So then when I came to this earth realm and started doing some of those knuckle-headed things that I used to do, he wouldn't take his love away from me. See, anything that comes out of God's mouth, it will not return to his void. If he said it, it's going to come to pass. So God blessed you before he even created you. Amen? Amen. Another example of God's love is uh, start in Matthew 5, 40. Yes, this is when Jesus was teaching um, his disciples on a mountain in the cause of Beatitude. And the 540 says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your undershirt, your tunic, let them have your coat also. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to him who keeps on begging from you and do not turn away from him or would borrow an interest from you. 43. You have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 45. To show that you are the children of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the wicked and the good, and makes the rain to fall upon the upright and the wrong doors alike. God causes his blessings to fall on everyone. He has the sun to shine on the good and the bad, and he makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. See, God does not play fair. God loves us all. Those who don't want anything to do with God, who's walking down the street cursing God, who's doing drugs, who's uh, hurting people, who's gangbanging, who's doing all kinds of unrighteous things, God loves them. And God is just waiting for them to give themselves back to him. See, life is not a dress rehearsal. Once that bullet gets you or that back gets you or whatever it is out there trying to destroy you, which is the enemy, that's it. So God wants you to make the decision to be with him for the rest of eternity of your own free will. And guess what? Sin is not an issue with God. Sin is not going to keep you from going to heaven. Jesus died for all your sins, your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. So sin is not a problem with God. The only thing that will keep you separated from God is not accepting His gift. And His gift is His Son. And God wants you of your own free will to accept Him. See, God did not want spiritual robots. That's why He created you with the will to do what you want to do. Amen?
Now let me ask you a question. And Angel, you can't answer because you already I know the answer. You already know the answer. <laughs> Who does God love more, Jesus or you? He loves us more than Jesus? The same. The same? Isn't Jesus God? Jesus is God? But Jesus is also separate. Yeah, no. Okay, anytime I ask any questions that has to do with the Bible, it's not a trick question. The answer is always in the Bible. I just want you to think about it for a little while. Uh, let's go to John 17. Start at verse 14. And it says, I have given and delivered to them your word, your message. And the world has hated them because they did not, because they are not of the world and do not belong to the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 15. I do not ask that you will take them out of the world, but that you will keep and protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Worldly belonging to the world, just as I am out of the world. 17. Sanctify them, purify, consecrate, separate them for yourself, and make them holy by the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. 19. And so for their sake and on their behalf, I sanctify, dedicate, consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified dedicated, consecrated, made holy and true. Verse 20. Neither for these alone do I pray. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever come to believe in, trust in, cling to, rely on me through their word and teaching. 21. That they all may be one just as you, Father in me and I in you, that you also may be one in us so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. 22. I have given to them the glory and honor which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we as one. And 23, the reason I came over here. I am them, and you and me, in order that they may become one and perfectly united, and that the world may know and definitely recognize that you sent me, and that you have loved them, even as you have loved me. God loves you just as much as he loved Jesus. Remember we just read that God is not a respected person. God would be a respected person if he loved Jesus and didn't love you. He would be a respected person if he loved us and didn't love Jesus. So God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. See, when I get down sometimes, it's not very often, but sometimes, you know, trials and tribulations come, and I may get a little down on myself, and then I think about how much God loves me. That he loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. And I just cheer up inside. My spirit, man, you know, it just gets energized. And once you know how much God loves you, it really doesn't matter anything else. I mean, you, you could put emphasis on it, but the important thing is that God loves you. And in closing, let's go to Romans 8.35. And in Romans 8.35 it says, Who 
can separate us from the love of God? Can tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As is written, for thy sake we are healed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. For we are persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There is nothing, nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. God just loves you. Now, you have the right to not accept his love, but that's not going to stop him from loving you. He loves you because you are his children. And just like a regular natural parent, you know, your child can do stuff that makes you upset, you still don't love him. And God is the same way. You can't have love without God, and you can't have God without love. Amen? Amen. Okay. Any questions, concerns, comments? Once. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the answer to that? Is it the same or more? Same. It's the same. same. God is not a respecter. He loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. And we all know how much he loves Jesus. So when we fathom how much he loves Jesus and then think about he loves us just the same, I mean, I just joy up inside no matter what's going on on the outside. Amen? Okay, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the lesson that was taught today. Holy Spirit is a personal favor to me. I ask that the seed that was planted brings forth a great harvest. But not our will, but your will be done. And Father, I just want to say a special prayer for those that are going through challenges, whatever they are, Father, because you know what they are, you know what they need. So Father, is a personal favor to me. I just declare and I decree that everyone is blessed and they are healed in every area of their lives. They are blessed and healed mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, socially, in all their relationships. Continue to encamp your angels about them and all their loved ones, ensuring that no earth or danger comes to them. And every step they take is on holy ground. And Father, we just thank you that you love us with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But not our will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, and everyone say Amen. Amen. Amen.